The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. And amen. Hallelujah. Can you guys hear me? Amen and amen. Well, good morning, church. Is this the second service? I'm going to say that again. Good morning, church. Amen. Amen. Well, church, we're continuing today in a series. I think we started about three weeks ago. And we titled the series Settling into Maturity. And really all we're doing is we're doing a Bible study. We're doing a Bible study of the book of Ephesians. And so for the next few weeks and however long it takes, we're going to be studying the book of Ephesians line upon line, precept upon precept, okay? And so we learned last week that the book of Ephesians is a letter written by Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. And for me personally, I believe that the book of Ephesians is a true blueprint for maturity. And I'm going to tell you why. Because this book is the only letter that was written that didn't address a problem. You know, the book of Ephesians didn't address a problem in the church at Ephesus. It also didn't address any problems in anyone's personal lives. Amen. And so, you know, I think the reason is simply because the the church at Ephesus was a mature church. You know, it was a mature church that was growing in faith, that was growing in love. And and the result of being mature, no problems, (laughs) no issues were addressed. Okay. Which makes this book so refreshing. It's actually one of my personal uh, favorite books um, because it's, it's applicable to the entire body of Christ. And so what we learned in the last two weeks is that the book of Ephesians is divided into two parts. The first part, chapters one, two, and three, uh, deal with what we call positional truths. They deal with what we call, what we, well, they deal with who, finding out who you are in Christ. And so we learned powerful truths um, over the last two weeks. I mean, we learned what? We learned that we are adopted as children of God. We learned that we are accepted in the beloved. And for me personally, my absolute favorite truth, the truth that fundamentally changed my life was Ephesians 1 verse 4, which said that before the foundation of the world, God chose me. And I love it in the Amplified Classic. It, 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 I'm going to summarize it, but it says, Before this world even began, God himself picked me out for himself as his own child. Man, that scripture is so dear to my heart because this is my story. I grew up, we grew up traveling a lot, you know, because of the, the nature of my parents, uh, of my parents' uh, work and job. So we, we move from country to country. So yes, I'm one of those children who have that dubious record of having gone to three different primary schools in three different countries. It was challenging. It was challenging always being the new kid on the block. You know, it was challenging always having to prove myself, you know, always having to make new friends. It was challenging always wanting people to pick me. And so I love sports. I really did. And I specifically love netball. But this one particular incident actually caused me to no longer like netball. And this is what happened. So the coach would come in and you know, she'd pick two girls and she'd say, you're going to be the, the leaders. You pick your teams. 
And so each of the girls would pick their team. Girl number one would pick Lucy. Girl number two would pick Susan. Girl number pick two, three, or two, one would pick Sandy. Girl number two would pick Dorothy. And I've so run out of names, okay? So we're going to end it there, right? <laughs> but 89.9998% of the time, I was the last girl standing. You know, I can't even say I was picked last. Because the truth of the matter is I wasn't even picked. You know, or the coach would just say, okay, new girl. You just go to the team that doesn't have enough players, right? And this was really devastating for me for years. I think I held on to this, this whole experience for much longer than I needed to in my adult life. And for a very long time, I truly suffered from a sense of rejection. And I truly suffered from a sense of just inse being insecure, um, insecure in life, being insecure around people until... I discovered the truth of the Word of God until I discovered in Ephesians 1 verse 4 in the Amplified Classic that God had already picked me before the foundation of the world. And I literally spent an entire year meditating on that scripture. And the Lord began to speak to me. He began to tell me that he doesn't pick me because he has no choice. You know, he began to pick me. He began to tell me that he didn't pick me because he had to. Man, he began to say to me, I picked you because I wanted to. You know, he began to tell me, I picked you because I wanted you. I picked you, Chipo, because I love you so very much and I have loved you before this world even began and so I really want to encourage someone here today um, as I said in the first service and someone watching online this was not in my notes okay but I really feel it needs to be said you know, if you're struggling with a sense of rejection, if, you, if you're struggling with a sense of in, uh, insecurity, I want to encourage you to go back to the word of God find out what God says about you Find out in his word what God is truly saying about you and who you are in Christ. Amen? In fact, you know, some, some of you, I'm going to just encourage you, find these truths, right? Memorize them. Memorize them. Write them down. Meditate on them. Speak them over your life again and again and again until the truth of who you are in Christ becomes a reality, not only in your heart, but in your mind. Amen. Amen. And so the, the second half of, of, of the book of Ephesians, that's chapters 4, 5, and 6, deal with um, what we call vital truth. Now, vital truth is simply the application of positional truth. You know, vital truth is when you truly begin to experience and live out in your daily life who you are in Christ. And so you're going to really enjoy that last half of Ephesians, right? Because we're going to be taught how to be good wives. We're going to be taught how to be good husbands. We're going to be taught how to be good employees, good employers. We're going to be taught how to be good witnesses. And we're going to be taught how to be good church members. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and so last week, we started in, the, in Ephesians chapter 2. And, 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 and Apostle Paul starts quite, it's, it was quite a dramatic opening. I know for some of you who are there, you'll remember it was quite a dramatic opening. And, 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 and Apostle Paul started taking us on a trip down memory lane. And that, that picture was not very pretty. Because what he began to show us is he began to show us who we were before Jesus saved us. And so he said some things, right, that were not pretty at all. He said, number one, he said, you know, we were dead men and women walking. 
In other words, we were spiritually dead. D-E-A-D. Okay? And then he said in verse 2, he said this. He said, we were ruled by our unrenewed minds and by our fleshly desire. And then, and then I believe it was in verse 3, he then said that he told us something that was very important. He said, because of our nature, right? We were, we were born with a sin nature because of what Adam did, right? We were born with a sin nature. We couldn't help it. In fact, he called this, he said, he said, we were by nature the children of wrath. But verse 4 says something so truly profound. Verse 4 says, but God. But God. But God had an answer to our mess. But God has a solution to our problems. Do you want to know what that solution is? And I'm speaking to someone who's in a real mess right now. I'm speaking to someone who really has problems in your life. There is one answer and there is one answer alone. And his, that answer is Jesus. Jesus is the only answer. Jesus is our only answer. Jesus was the answer to our mess and he was the answer to our problems. And so we learned last week that Jesus came onto this earth. He became a man and then he died for our sins, right? And because he knew no sins, God raised him from the dead when he died. And the scripture said, you know, right now, Jesus is seated in heavenly places at the right hand of God. And then we learned a truth that, oh man, is so mind-blowing. And that truth is simply this. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the law of identification kicks in. And in an instant, the greatest miracle that you will ever experience occurs. When you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, God raises you from the dead. He makes you come alive spiritually. Amen? Because of the law of identification, you are raised together with Christ. And right now you are seated. Hallelujah. You are seated in Christ in heavenly places. Far above your challenges. Far above your problems. Far above all principalities. Far above every power. Far above everything that has a name. And so if it has a name, you're above it. Thank you, Jesus. And we learned all of this. All of this. We are saved by grace through faith. We learned that we are not saved by our good works. We cannot be good enough to earn our salvation. We are not saved by being the best goody two-shoes in the world. We cannot save. We could not save ourselves. The scripture said salvation is a gift of God. Salvation is a gift of God that we receive by faith. Faith not in our goodness. Faith not in our good works. But faith in Jesus' good works. Faith in Jesus' good work on the cross. Hallelujah. Oh man, I am so excited. This is evangelist in me. Verse 10. This is where we need to start off. Because this is where we ended. It says, for we are his workmanship. We're reading the King James. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Okay? In other words, we're created to do good works. Amen? And it says, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, I love that word workmanship. Because that word workmanship, it's, it's a really powerful word. Because what it uh, denotes or what it signifies, it signifies something that's manufactured, 
something that's produced, something that's designed, and something really that's handmade, handmade by an artisan or craftsman. And so I want to say this to you. You are not here on this earth by coincidence. You are not here on this earth by some random, obscure, weird, silly process of evolution. Now, shared with the first service, I, I have the privilege of being um, um, able to attend a, a really phenomenal leadership course at work, right? I, I'm, I'm deeply honored. Um, but one of the things they try and teach you is different worldviews and perspectives. And so, I, you know, in May, I spent one hour of my life, Marshall, that I'll never, ever get back, okay? And I'm going to tell you why. Because for one hour... They brought this professor, you know, into our lecture hall. And I mean, this professor is world-renowned. This professor has so many distinctions. I mean, they spewed out all his distinctions, you know, so he would get us excited. I mean, I counted those distinctions. He had more distinctions than I have teeth in my mouth. And I have many teeth, okay? I have one, I have one less tooth because I had my wisdom tooth pulled out. But I, I mean, I counted them and they were pretty much, I mean, you get, you get the picture, right? This guy was very distinguished. But you know what? This guy, ooh, Lord, he spent an hour telling us about this big bang, and how this big bang, you know, at the beginning of time, this big bang happened. And you know what he said? He said, when this big bang happened, this bacteria emerged from the ground. And he said, this bacteria emerged from the ground and it evolved and evolved and evolved until it created a human being. He told us that human beings are created. Ah, come on, that's not true. That is so not true. You're not here on this earth by some random, obscure process of evolution, right? You're here on this earth by design. God designed you. You're not here on this earth by accident. You may have been an accident, oopsie-daisy, that happened to your parents one night, right? Your parents may have genuinely been surprised that you were coming and not have known that you were coming, but God knew that you were coming. You're not a surprise to God. You know why? Because he intentionally, he purposely, and he personally handcrafted each and every single one of us. Hallelujah. That word workmanship, going to dwell there a little bit, is the Greek word poema, from which we get our English word poem. And so when God is saying we are his workmanship, he's saying that we're his poem. Now, a poem is very different from a paragraph, and it's very different from a sentence. I love poems. I, I, I think, you know, I think I'm probably a poet, right? But um, I, love, I love poetry, I love poems, because a poem always rhymes. It has rhythm to it. A poem is just so carefully put together. And so you know what God is saying to someone here today? He's saying, you are carefully put together. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise, okay? Come on, hunt your neighbor and tell them, I am carefully put together. Don't you know that? I'm a work of art. Amen. Church, God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. God makes masterpieces. You are not a mistake. You are a masterpiece. Now, inevitably, someone's saying, oh, well, where did she get that from? She's just trying to rhyme. She's just trying to be a poet, right? Well, let's go see Ephesians 2 verse 10 in the NLT, right? Yep, I can see you doubters are wondering, where does it say we are a masterpiece? Let's go see Ephesians 2 verse 10 in the NLT. And I want us to read the first five words together, right? What does it say? Okay, let's, okay. 
I'm going to count to three, then we all read together. Okay, the last time it was a bit of confusion. Okay, one, two, three. For we are God's masterpiece. Amen. And I'm going to read the rest of the scripture. It says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things. The good things he planned for us long ago. Now, in the art world, they say one of the distinguishing features of a masterpiece is not only is it original, but it's also unique. And so when God calls us his masterpiece, he's saying, come on, babe. Come on, honey. You're not just an original, but you're also unique. You know what God is saying? He's saying you are a one-of-a-kind original. God is saying you were born to be a one-of-a-kind original. Amen? <laughs> because the reality and the truth of the matter is simply this, right? There will never be another person, and there can never be another person with your fingerprints. You know, when God made you, the mold that he made you in, he literally just threw it away. Because there's not going to be another one like you. There's never going to be another person like you with the same, with the exact DNA. Okay, I'm not even going to say the same. I'm going to say the exact DNA. I'm going to be technically correct. The exact DNA. There'll never be the same, another person with the exact DNA. There'll also never be another person, you know, with the, with the same personality. There will never be another person like you. One of my favorite Psalms. In fact, the Bible is my favorite book. But anyway, my favorite, favorite Psalm is Psalm 139. And, and, and I think we're all very familiar with this psalm because this is a psalm where the psalmist says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. But I want to show you something in verse 15 to 16. And I want to read it in the original amplified. Please, I know we have it now. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And, and this is what the, the psalmist says. He says, my frame was not hidden from you. Right? Our frame wasn't hidden from God, right? When I was being formed in secret, and he says, and intricately, right? I told you we were carefully put together, right? It says, intricately and skillfully formed. And then, man, I love this translation because it says, as if embroidered with many colors in the depth of the earth. Then it says, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. The NIV said that your eyes saw my unformed body. God knew you. Right? And it says, and in your book were written all the days that were appointed for me, when as yet there was none one of them even taking shape. So, so the psalmist begins to declare something so powerful. And he says that God has a book um, for, for each and every single one of us. And in God's book, he's literally written down everything about us. He's written down our gifts. He's written down our talents. He's written down our genders. And we, and we call this... And, and, and you, can, you can see it in some of the books that we've written, but we call these things sovereign foundations, right? And so what we need to, to realize is that God wired us uniquely for success. God wired us and he wired you uniquely for maximum impact in this world when he put these sovereign foundations in you. And so let's look at some things that are written in this book. Your personality is written in God's book. You know, some of us are loud. <laughs> I don't know why you guys are laughing, okay? Some of us are loud, and they call us extroverts. And I'm so not going to ask the loud extroverts to put up their hands because they're going to be putting up their hands quite fast, right? It's just kind of how we roll. So some of us are loud, and some of us are more extroverted. And you know, for a long time, Mashi, I thought there was something wrong with me. 
You know, there's nothing cool when someone introduces you and they say, oh, this is the person that we could hear uh, coming in all the way from four ways more. There's so nothing cool about that. So for many years, I thought, okay, there must just be something wrong with me until I realized there's absolutely nothing wrong with me. I just realized I'm God's loud masterpiece. <laughs> Where are my love masterpieces at? You know yourselves. You know yourselves. I see some putting up their hands there. Some of us are quiet, right? A little more what they say, introverted. Well, I, I've got good news for you guys. There's nothing wrong with you. God wired you with that personal, uh, personality. He wired you for success with that personality. Amen. You are his masterpiece. Some of us are tall. Some of us are short. Some of us are medium. You know, I told the first service, one of my highest prayers when I was in high school, man, it was my sincerest prayer. You know, the Bible says you're the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous girl. This was my effectual fervent prayer, right? And I'm so embarrassed. Please, what I say here must stay here. Media team, you're going to delete this part, okay? But my, my, my highest, highest desire in the Lord was I was like, Lord, 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 make me tall, make me skinny, make me have a big glutus maximus. That's the church translation for B-U-T-T. Please, Lord. When I was 15, I prayed the same prayer when I was 16. Lord, taller, taller. I prayed the same prayer when I was 17. Come on, Lord. You know, I prayed the same prayer when I was 18. And you know what? When I was 19, I finally realized. Okay, it took me that long. I finally realized God is not going to answer a prayer like that, you know. I finally realized God made me medium on purpose for the good things, the good works that he planned a long time ago for me to do. If you're a female, God made you that way. If you're a male, God made you that way. PT said, I must tell you, don't try to change it. Because that's how God created you. And if you're confused about it, if, you, if, you, if you're a boy, go to the bathroom with PT and, you know, pull down your pants. If you're a girl, come with me, we'll pull down your pants and we'll tell you. It's very simple. God made us that way. He made us male and female. There's nothing else in between. If you have brown skin, if you have peach skin, if you have yellow skin, if you have green skin, if you have red skin, God gave you that skin color. I can see such confusion. Okay, let me just tell you the story. One day, Manessa, um, our older daughter, came to us and she's like, Mom and Dad, or Mommy and Daddy, why, do we, why are we called black people? She said, No, we're not black, we're brown. Hmm, good observation. Then she said, and I said to her, well, what do you, okay, what, what would you call um, Auntie Dillian, right? Auntie Dillian's our finance pastor. And she said, no, no, Auntie Dillian is peach, mommy. Ah. Then one day I was eavesdropping because these girls love to talk, man. Girls love to talk. They're talking each, to each other. And, 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 and they're saying, oh, our, our yellow friend. Oh, I've got a new yellow friend. I've got a new yellow friend. What are, what are they talking about? Then one day I went to school and, um, and Manessa came with, with, with a friend. She says, Mom, I want you to introduce... Jeez, girl, children don't have filter, eh? She's like, Mom, I want to introduce you to my yellow friend. I'm like, where are you from, girl? She's like, I'm from Japan. Mystery solved. So if you have brown skin, peach skin, yellow skin, red skin, green skin, 
These things were intentionally orchestrated by God on purpose. Amen? Intentionally. One of the fiercest battles that I've had to fight in my mind was seeing myself the way God saw me. One of the fiercest battles, church, was to see myself as unique, was to see myself as an original, was to see myself with my uh, flaws, with my insecurities, with my baggage, as God's very own masterpiece. One of the challenges that many of us are going to just have to overcome. And I'll be the first one to admit, one of the biggest challenges that I've had to overcome in my own personal life to do the things that God has uniquely destined for me to do, right? Do you, do you want to know, know what that challenge is? That, that challenge was to stop wishing that I could be someone else. One of the biggest challenges that I've ever had to overcome was to stop trying to be like someone else, was to top, stop trying to be someone else, someone who God didn't create me to be, right? Was to, to just embrace the truth that God didn't make a mistake with my personality. God didn't make a mistake with my color, you know, with my gender, with my height, that God, he, he skillfully made me who I am on purpose. And so this is what I know. This is what I 100% know. When it comes to imitation, imitation is limitation. When we settle to live our lives as a copy of someone else, we're limiting God. We're limiting what God wants to do in us and what God, God wants to do through us. The reality is you are not graced to be someone else. There's absolutely no grace for that. But you know what there's grace for you to be and to do? In fact, the, the scripture says, you know, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, another translation says that my grace is more than enough for you. There is more than enough grace, church, for you to be you. Amen. And so you know what happened when I finally fully accepted uh, my uniqueness? When I finally fully accepted that I was God's very own masterpiece, I began to take the limits off of God. And God began to open doors in my life. Man, some of the doors that God has opened in my life, I do not have time to go through them. Because, Pastor T, we will be teaching the book of Ephesians until June uh, 2025. Okay? But some of the doors that God has opened in my life have caused so many people to wonder, including myself, what on this earth? How on this earth did that happen for you? Amen? And so I say all of this to say you are a masterpiece. I say all of this to say you are a one-of-a-kind original. Be yourself. Turn to your neighbor to your left and tell them, be yourself. Turn to your neighbor on the right and say, be you, boo. <laughs> Bro. Sorry. I'm, I'm in my 40s. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, you know, when you allow yourself to be all that God created you uniquely to be, 
what happens is, is you become a role model. You know, people are watching you. People are watching you just be yourself. You know, people are watching you just be authentic. It's so refreshing in a, in a world full of copies. And so when you give yourself and you allow yourself to, to be exactly who God has created you to be, what, what actually happens is you give other people permission, people watching you, you give them permission to be exactly who God created them to be too. Amen. Amen. And so let's go to verse 11. Remember, we're doing line upon line. <laughs> Apostle Paul says, Wherefore, remember, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. And so he starts off the second half of Ephesians 2 by telling us to remember some things. In fact, in the NLT, he says, don't forget because church, there's power in remembering. You know, there's power in not forgetting certain things in life. And that's why the psalmist in Psalm 103, he said what? He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And he said, forget not all his benefits. Now, sometimes, you know, we can just get so busy in life. You know, life can get so real. And I said in the verse of his life can life you. I don't even know that makes sense. But life can just life you. We can get so busy with our kids. We can get so busy with our jobs. We can get so busy with our husbands. We can get so busy with our wives. Hey, amen. We can get so busy with our, with our wives. Guys, come on, say amen. We can get so busy with our careers. We can get so busy with our jobs, our ministries, our businesses. And not only are we busy with these things, but we're also busy with the drama that comes with all these things, right? Like, how am I going to pay the bills? What activities are my kids going to do? Which swimming school are they going to do? You kind of get the point, right? We sometimes can get so busy that we forget. And, and we forget, and specifically, you know, the benefits of having Jesus in our lives. And so Apostle Paul, the point he's trying to get across is, is we need to just take some time out and just remember. Just remember. Just remember what we were like before Jesus saved us. Just remember what Jesus did to get us where we are now. And then he says these things about someone with circumcision, it's called the circumcision, someone was called uncircumcision. Let, let's look at that word, that circumcision thing, okay? Now, now circumcision was a, a physical, uh, special sign of covenant that God made with the Jews, okay? And so what the Jews would do is the Jews would call themselves the circumcision. And by calling themselves the circumcision, they were pointing to the fact that they considered themselves special. When they called themselves, we are the circumcision, right? It pointed to the fact that they believed that they were better than everyone else. And the reason why they believed that they were better than else is because after all, unlike everyone else, they are the ones who had the covenant with God, right? After all, you know, they are the ones who not only have a covenant with God, but surely, you know, they, are the, they have the most, more pr prominent position with God. And so the Jews would consider everyone else who was outside of the nation of Israel to be a Gentile. And, and they then, in, because of this, they would commonly refer to the Gentiles as um, uncircumcised in many passages of Scripture, you, you, if you read out and study out your Bible for yourself. But in, in Ephesians, in this particular verse that we've read, they would, the Jews would call the Gentiles the uncircumcision. 
We see this in the story of David. And I you know, remember the story when David, you know, he was sent to the, battle, to the battlefield. I think he was sent to serve his brothers, right? And he's listening to everyone. They're all scared. They're all petrified of this giant beast of a man that they called Goliath, right? And while he was there, Goliath starts screaming. Goliath starts shouting all these profanities, um, blasphemy. In essence, Goliath just starts trash talking, right? And I mean, David, David was bold. David was brave, right? David dared to speak. And he said, wait a minute. He said, who is this what? Uncircumcised Philistine, right? Who dares to come against the armies of the living God. And so I'm going to bring what he said in probably 21st century slang. In essence, what, what David was saying is he was saying, who on earth is this dude who has absolutely no covenant with God? David knew his, he had covenant, covenant with God, right? In essence, what David was saying is, who is this joker? Does he not know that he's on the losing team, right? And we know how the story goes. David said, man, let me go, let me go fight him. Let me go fight him, right? Because he knew that God was on his side, right? And so I say all of this to say, the, the book of, 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 of Ephesians was a letter that was written to, to the church at Ephesus, right? And one thing we need to remember is that the Ephesian Christians were Gentiles, okay? And so what Paul is saying to them, remember he's speaking to the church at Ephesus, is he's saying, remember. He's saying, remember those days. Remember those times when you were being called all these names. Remember before Jesus before you had Jesus in your life, remember those days when you, you, Gentiles, were viewed as second-class citizens. And so Paul continues in verse 12, and, and I just want to read all of these verses in the original Amplified. I'm so excited. We actually have it. We didn't have it in the first service, right? But what we begin to see in verse 12 is we begin to see Paul painting a picture. And man, it's just not a great picture. But the, the picture he's painting is a picture of the terrible state that the Gentiles were in before Christ. And, and, and actually, it's, it's the terrible state that we were all in before we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So he, 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 he reminds us of five things, right? So let's, let's read verse 12. It says, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ. And I like this translation because it tells us what separated from Christ means. It says excluded from any relationship with him. You know, before Jesus came into our lives, before Jesus saved us, the, 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 the one thing we need to remember is that we couldn't have a relationship with God. You know, the one thing we need to remember is that we, we didn't qualify. We didn't. We didn't qualify for a relationship with God. And then the Amplified, it carries on, it says, you were alienated from the, from the commonwealth of Israel. And I, don't, don't let that word commonwealth throw you off. Because that word commonwealth, when, when Paul is saying commonwealth, he, he, he's basically saying that the Gentiles were not part of God's chosen nation. And so because they were Gentiles were not part of God's chosen nation, they were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And not only were they excluded then from being citizens of the nation of Israel, but they were also excluded from the rights that came with being citizens of the nation. 
Okay, so that's the second thing he wants us to remember. Then he said the third thing he says is, and strangers to the covenants of promise. <laughs> I'm going to kneel over. I don't know if you can see it. Strangers to the covenants of promise. And, and it says, with no share in the sacred messianic promise and without knowledge of God's agreement, right? So that word stranger simply means a person who does not know. And so what the scripture is saying, is it's saying the Gentiles did not know the covenants of promise. They had no knowledge of, of God, nor did they have any legal right to the promises of God. They had no legal right to access the promises of redemption. They had no legal right to access the promises of protection. They had no legal right to, to access the promise of deliverance. And they had no legal right as Gentiles to access the, the promises of healing. Then he also goes on and he says, and the fourth thing he wants us to remember is they had having no hope in his promise. They had no hope, right? Because it's only Jesus who gives us hope. It's the word of God that gives us hope. In fact, hope um, is, is, is our positive um, imagination that's based on the word of God. I just, I want to digress a little bit. I really want to say this, but you know, I used to wear glasses, spectacles when I was a kid. I wore glasses for many years, actually. Um, and until, until, I got, until I got healed of, of being short-sighted, until, until I found out, and this is what happened, I found out what God's word had to say about healing. You know, I found out, I got into God's word when I got saved, I started getting into God's word and I found out that that healing belonged to me. I mean, I found scriptures in Isaiah 53 verse 5, uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 24 that said, by Jesus' stripes we healed. I, I found scriptures in Romans 8 verse 11 that uh, PT spoke about last week. We said, you know, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is, lives inside me and that spirit uh, will quicken my mortal body. Man, I'm, I personalized that scripture, right? And I said, man, the same spirit is quickening. It's making alive my eyes. You know, I use the word of God, you know, to see myself seeing where? In my imagination. Now, here's the thing. Before Jesus, before I knew Jesus, before I knew the word of God, I could never imagine myself. I could never hope for a time where I never needed to wear glasses, right? I, I, I could never imagine myself right now in my 40s, standing, having not worn glasses for 14 years. And so this is what happens when we don't know Jesus. We cannot have a positive imagination that's based on the word because we just have no hope. We have no word of God in our lives to give us that hope. And so the fifth thing, it says they were living in this world without God, right? Now that's, that's such, a, such a bleak picture. It's such a bleak picture. But, but this is really what we looked like before Christ. And, and, and what we're about to read in verse 13 is, is Paul revealing to us really good news, right? Of what we now look like now that we're in Christ, okay? So let's read verse 13 because it's so awesome. It says, but now. Oh, I love the buts in scripture. It says, but now. It says, the, this, this one says, at this very moment, right? In other words, now that you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, okay, this is what happened to you. It says, you who were once, oh, I love this, this translation. It, said, it actually says, so very far away from God. 
Before we received Jesus in our lives, sin was separating us from God. Sin was keeping us so very far away from God. And now the scripture says, but now you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the amazing, beautiful, precious blood of Jesus. Because the only way to be brought near to God is by the blood of Jesus. You know, when we acknowledge and when we accept that Jesus, he died on the cross, he shed his blood to take away our sins. When we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior by faith, his precious blood brings us into a relationship with the Father. It brings us into the most intimate, the most personal relationship that we could ever imagine. Amen. And so I want to end with these last scriptures, verse 14. It says, for he, and speaking about Jesus, himself is our peace and he is our bond of unity, right? And so, so what the scriptures here, uh, when it says Jesus is our peace, he's our bond of unity. I mean, I, I like to think of it this way. I think I like to think of it as Jesus is our glue. <laughs> I know, not very creative, but you'll see why, right? Because what, 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 what Apostle Paul is speaking about is he's speaking about Jesus's ministry of reconciling or reconciliation, of reconciling man to God. And then what we're about to see of reconciling man to man. Jesus is that bond of unity, that glue that also reconciles races. And so it says, the scripture carries on, it says, he, Jesus, who made both groups, Jews and Gentiles, into one body. And it says he broke down the barrier. He broke down the dividing wall of spiritual antagonism that was between us. So Jesus, yeah, it's, it's, it says he simply came, he broke down some barrier, he broke down some wall that was separating Jews from Gentiles, right? Because the reality is there was a barrier. There was a, a spiritual dividing wall. And that barrier, that dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles was the Old Testament law. In fact, you know, not only was there the spiritual barrier, but also in, in Jerusalem, there was actually um, a, a, a war, a physical war, that represented this, this, this spiritual reality, right? So in Jerusalem in the temple, G uh, Gentiles were, were allowed, well, the, you know, historians say they were allowed into the temple, right? But they were only allowed into a specific area that was called the courts of the Gentiles, or the court of the Gentiles, and, and, and separating or segregating them in this court was a war, a physical war. I think it was just under two meters, right? And, 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 and the, the, the law dictated that no one was allowed to come in from the, from the rest of the temple, and the G Gentiles were most certainly not allowed to go into the, into the rest of the temple, Okay. In fact, the, the law, the Old Testament law was so strict, right? There was actually a sign standing in front of the wall that said this. It said, no man of another nation um, is to enter. And whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his death. And, and so I want to just go back to exhibit A. What, what we then see, we said that barrier, that divining wall was the Old Testament law. Well, what we see is the Old Testament law separated Jews and Gentiles for centuries, you know, with its many rules and regulations, there were rules that prevented Jews from hanging out with Gentiles. It was not allowed or death, right? There were rules and laws that prevented anyone from, other than the Jews from worshiping God. You know, one commentary that I, that I read said, the Old Testament law made a very clear separation between Jew and Gentile. 
And it did this by elevating one group above the other, right? To the extent where Gentiles were looked down upon, right? And dissociated by Jews everywhere. But the good news is it says Jesus came and he broke down that barrier. He broke down that dividing wall. And in verse 15, as we close, it says, we, we see how Jesus did it, right? Um, verse 15 starts off, it says, by abolishing. And that word abolishing is the Greek word kataregeo, which means to render entirely idle or to render entirely useless. So Jesus broke down the dividing wall. He broke down that barrier by rendering entirely idle, rendering entirely useless in his own crucified flesh, the hostility that was caused by the law with its commandments contained in ordinances which he satisfied, right? So Jesus satisfied the Old Testament law for us. And then it says, so that he did all of this, so that in himself he might make the two, Jews and Gentiles, into one new man, thereby establishing peace, hallelujah, and that he might reconcile them both, Jews and Gentiles, united in one body to God through the cross, thereby putting to death the uh, hostility. So on the cross, we see Jesus rendered the Old Testament law idle, right? On the cross, Jesus took away the very thing that was separating Jew and Gentiles, right? He took it out of the way, right? And we know that scripture in Colossians, which he says, you know, he took that Old Testament uh, law and he, and he took it out of the way. How? By nailing it onto the cross. Well, the truth of the matter is the law, the Old Testament law ended at the cross, and that Old Testament law, the J.B. Phillips says, it became utterly irrelevant. Amen. And so the reason why Jesus then abolished the law, um, the reason why he abolished it by fulfilling it is so that one, believers could be reconciled to God, but also to bring Jews and Gentiles together under a new covenant into one new body, which we now call the body of Christ. Amen. 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 And we're going to close with this scripture. Because what we need to know and realize is that in Christ, the distinction between Jews and Gentiles is no longer applicable, right? We all have equal access to God, and we all have equal access to the things of God. Now, the, the scripture that I went in with is, is Galatians 3 verse 28, and I'm going to read it in the King James. This unity that Jesus gave us is not just limited to Jews and Gentiles. By the scripture, um, Galatians 3 verse 28 in King, in King James, it says, and the context is in Christ. So, so it says, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Right? In other words, Christ literally tore down prejudices. Christ literally tore down distinctions when he fulfilled the law, right? When he put it out of the way, he literally tore down prejudices between people groups, religious groups, denominational groups. He tore them all down, right? And we also learn in the, in the same scripture, it says, there is neither bond nor free. In other words, social standings that divide us, you know, that divide bond or from free, right? In other words, that divide the rich from the poor. Social standings that divide the educated from the uneducated in Christ. Those social standings that divide have been done away with. And then the scripture also says there's neither male nor female, right? So gender differences are dissolved in Christ. And it ends and says, for you are all one. In other words, you are all new creations in Christ Jesus. And why don't we stand? Because I've so run out of time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
And so in Christ, there's no one who is inferior. In Christ, there's also no one who is superior. Because the truth of the matter is we are all one in Him. Our faith in Christ is what we call the great equalizer. Because our faith in Christ is what puts all Christians on level ground with one another. Amen? And we learn from verse 18, it tells us that, you know, we all have access by one spirit to the Father. And verse 19, it crescendos, and Paul begins to tell us, so then once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are no longer strangers and aliens, outsiders with no rights of citizenship, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, God's people, and are members of God's household. Amen. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. Lord, we just want to thank you for what Jesus and Jesus alone did for us on the cross. Lord, we thank you that in Christ, there are no longer any second-class citizens. Father, we just want to thank you that regardless of our age, regardless of our gender, regardless of our social standing, our our skin color, regardless of all of these things, in Christ, we are now first-class citizens. We are now first-class citizens of the kingdom of God. And we are all full citizens. And we are all equal members of your family. Father, we thank you that Jesus qualified us. Jesus qualified us to receive every blessing that you have, every single promise that you have. Thank you that we're qualified to prosper. Thank you that we're qualified to be successful in our careers, in our jobs. We're qualified, not because of anything that we did. We didn't deserve it, but because of everything that Jesus did. Jesus qualified us. Thank you, Father, that we are qualified to be successful in our businesses. We're qualified, Father. And Father, we just thank you that we're qualified to receive healing. There's nothing that disqualifies us. Nothing that we could ever have done to ourselves and done in our lives that disqualified us. The moment we made Jesus our Lord and Savior, we 100% qualified. And so, Father, we just thank you for healing. We thank you for healing of bodies in this morning. We thank you for healing of hearts this morning. We thank you for healing of minds this morning. Father, we just thank you for doing it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say amen and amen and amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.